not achieve my potential than to go start this business. Even if I failed totally, I had about six months to a year runway in terms of my own savings. So even if I failed entirely, to get back to that place, I could go back and get another job for making even more. What's the shining light for them? How do they stay on the right path? I think you have to be more scared not achieving your potential than scared of something going wrong. Welcome to the Scaling Edge. This is the internet talk program that focuses on authentic conversations with battle-hardened entrepreneurs here to share their value with you. I'm your host, Michael Brooks, and Max is here. Always here. Super excited. It's a Saturday. Yeah, man. This is a Saturday. I like the Saturday shows. It is far more chill. Not getting peppered with messages. Just get to pop in the studio. Um, and we're happy. We got uh, we got a veteran podcast host here, uh, Spencer. From, he's the CEO of Solve.Cloud, and he's the host of Lessons in Leverage podcast, calling out of Utah. Spencer, welcome to the Scaling Edge. We appreciate you being part of our program. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and all the great, wonderful things about Spencer? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm just a guy who... Uh, Growing up, had some interesting experiences that pushed me in entrepreneurship. And uh, once that happened, I uh, I started to realize that there's this concept of leverage that really changes people's lives, and a lot of people don't don't really know. And I use that in the broadest terms, just in terms of uh, you know something that multiplies the outputs. So you know, starting when I was really young, uh, my parents were in the military, so I was born in the Philippines, and uh, we. Actually, we're there when Mount Pinatubo erupted. I don't know if you remember that, but it was the second largest of volcanic eruption in the last hundred years. And I, I uh, don't. Was, where uh, where in the Philippines were you born? That's the island of Luzon, and so I was at Clark Air Base, uh, and wow. that's right next to Mount Pinatubo. So when that exploded, it was ten miles of mountainside just blew up, just fully exploded. It was noonday. You, you have put to your like evacuate or like yep. w- w- What happened? Yeah, that's a long story, but the short of what happened was uh, my dad was in security police, and so he stayed there with the military to run a lot of the evacuation. And my mom, with six kids, I was the youngest, being just two at the time, uh, she took off with us and had no idea where we were going. I mean, the military was trying to figure out how to get us out of there safely, and so we ended up going to several islands. They had a typhoon come in that grabbed all the ash and dumped it on us. They put us in Guam thinking we'd be good there, dumped a bunch of ash on us. Roofs were collapsing. They put us on a Navy carrier that was overfilled. So we ended up going through a whole bunch of stuff. You know, we slept one night in cardboard boxes in a field. And so here's my mom with six kids, uh, doesn't know how to get a hold of her husband. And so that sort of chaos was just sort of a very formative event for my family. How, Um, How old were you? I was just two years old uh, when that happened. Uh, and so, wow. That's amazing. Like what, what crazy instability, what a trooper your mom is, man. 
she, I mean, an absolute rock star. She held it together. She was, she was just trying to keep the family sane, you know? And so, you know, you're following whatever the military tells you. It starts with just, Hey, put everything you can into trash bags and leave. And then it turns into this six week, uh, just instability. And so finally we ended up in, you know, in Arizona and things calmed down. But the point of that story is for my whole life, I listened to my parents talk about emergency preparedness and I watched my dad live his career very much, um, in this very um, conservative, safe mindset. He's a really talented guy. After security police, he got into hospital administration. And he really navigated his career first and foremost about how do I sort of prepare for and be ready for anything? How do I keep us safe, stable? Very much the this idea. And so when he got out of the military, for example, he, he took a job that was paying less than his best opportunity because the other opportunity was going to be a little bit riskier. It was actually a guy who invited him to go into business with him and take on a more entrepreneurial role. And he took the job that had the pension, the safety, the those types of things. And, you know, to break that story, that really, just keep that security. Short. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and that's why nine years later when they laid him off, he realized, oh, man, <laughs> I should have just done the entrepreneurial thing. So he finally did. Very At the very end of his career, he started his own consulting practice. And I watched how that changed our life. And I thought, that's where the real security is. The security is in who you become. It's in it's in what skills you develop. It's in the value you have instead of being dependent on someone or a corporation for that security. And so that was a really formative part of my life, watching all that happen, watching how he lived. Um, and I, I admire the hell out of me, did a great job. But but then seeing that conclusion of his career, I thought, how do I do that a lot earlier in my life and create that stability of of entrepreneurship, of value earlier in life? Mm. Wow. I mean, what a story. How old was your oldest sibling during the whole typhoon thing? Uh, 17. So he's we're 16, 17. We're 15, between 14 and 15 years apart. So you, so your mom at least had some help with six yeah, kids yep. bouncing yeah, from island to island. Help a little bit, yep. Were you the Were you the youngest at two years old? Yeah, yeah, I was the last one. Wow, you were the baby of the bunch. That was me. How, how's it like having five older siblings? It's great, man. It's a bunch of bunch of people to learn from. Uh, my whole life, I've been able to look up and kind of see different things they've done, watch and learn. And so, honestly, when you're young, it's like having a bunch of extra parents, and then when you get older, it's like having a lot of good friends. So, uh, yeah, it's it's worked out pretty nice. That's really cool. So, so your experience is from from watching from watching the the nine years to holy holy moly. This isn't where it's at to starting the consulting practice. For for being a part of that, what 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 value can you share from all of these experiences and really the culmination of all your experiences thereof? Where where is the 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 right the right play for for entrepreneurs? What what value do they have? Maybe somebody is already saying, "Hey, I'm I'm ready to step out," or I have been stepping out and 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 on my own. What what's what what's the shining light for them? How how do they stay on the right path? I think you have to be more scared of uh, not achieving your potential than scared of something going wrong. Wow. That is that beautiful, man. You got to be more scared of not achieving your potential than of what can possibly go wrong. That's, that is a great, uh, great quote. Sorry, please continue. Spencer. Yeah, because, because we overvalue the losses that we, that we can kind of see and we undervalue the the losses that are harder to see. So what happens is for me, when I was working, I got out of college, started working as a consultant, knew that I wanted to be in consulting, knew at some point I wanted to start a business. So I had this stable career, had my first kid, second kid was on the way. And 
my and I'm I, I realized, man, I, this might actually be a good time. I'm only a few. Years Wait, how many kids you got? How many kids you got now? Uh, just two right now. Yeah, well, and Utah, so that's that's a starter. That's a starter set. So starter kid. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So so uh, as that second, my wife was pregnant with our second kid, and you know I had a stable job, good salary, was making maybe 120 thousand at the time, and I I thought, all right, I really feel like there's this opportunity to start a business, but in order to get myself mentally there, I had to, I had to come to grips with the fact that it was more risky for me to stay in my job and just get these incremental raises and not achieve my potential than to go start this business. Even if I failed totally, I had about six months to a year runway in terms of my own savings. So even if I failed entirely to get back to that place, I could go back and get another job for making even more and I could get back to that place in a year and a half. So it wasn't actually that risky to go out, but if I if I went out and was successful, the multi-million dollar upside of that was a huge potential cost. And so once I could get my mind around what that potential cost was of not going out and trying to do what I thought I was capable of, then it made it a no-brainer. I just had to ask my wife to make sure she wasn't going to leave me. I was like, listen, if I lose everything, have no money, we move in with your parents in the basement and have literally nothing, would you leave me? And she's like, no. And I was like, great. And I'm I got nothing to lose then. So might as well, uh, you know, get started. And so that was the big takeaway. You that must got really me. like your in-laws. Oh, yeah. oh no, I, don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let it get to that. Talk about I desperation. Be like, okay. It's not going to be the basement of your in-laws, but it might be a one bedroom apartment for all four of us. That, that's right. That's, yeah. That, that, that's, that's a better, better solution, but sorry, please continue Spencer. Yeah. No. So it's just to say that that I think that's a, a big takeaway that people have to realize. And then that as you start to run a business, you, you get into the same zone, right? Once you've got a fairly successful business and you're making good money, it's easy to fall back into this mindset of, uh, you know, how do I protect what I have? How do I protect against these against the really perceivable risks or fears? Um, and then again, undervaluing the long-term upside, fear of not achieving that long-term upside. And so um, it's this constant pattern that reemerges that you have to fight against. And if you do, then you start to notice that um, a lot of the uncertainty that scares you is is really it's just not real. Um, leaning into the uncertainty is where all the upside is. And so when you're properly balancing those risks, then it makes it a lot easier to keep going, pushing further. And that's that that's just one of these concepts that are high leverage mindsets that people have to develop. And if you get stuck in low leverage mindsets, then you you just keep playing low leverage games and you wonder but why am I not you- getting the same results? How would you define a high leverage mindset? Yeah. So for me, leverage, the word leverage is all about uh, m- multiplying the output. So uh, so leverage, multiplying you know, a lot of people think leverage and they just think capital leverage or, you know, financial leverage. I'm talking, you know, if I have a lever of any kind, it allows me to move more with, with less effort, right? Just in the physical world, thinking of a lever in the physical world. And so people will look at really successful people and they'll say, oh, they must be working way harder than me, be way, way smarter than me, must be uh, willing to sacrifice their whole family life or something. And so they tell themselves stories because then if that's a lot of time, it's yes. A lot of time, it's yes. Those things, but, it, those, it, but, those that, that, but there are also highly successful people that know they're doing it the wrong way. That sure, know it could exactly. be a lot easier, and then and you're saying that's that that's not- how you deploy the high leverage mindset. Is you go, okay, how do I pull these leather? And that's something that people don't learn oftentimes until later in life. 
Yes, exactly. And and there's there's a lot of people that are uh, with all those same problems that are not making a lot of money. And so I would argue that uh, when you look at that, uh, it's not so much that making more money or being more successful requires those things. It's uh, it's that some you see trends of people who might do that, and then you just overgeneralize. So if you can find the, the right mindset, that the mindset change is what unlocks some of the tactic changes. The tactic changes unlock some of the result changes. And so. Um, when we think about leverage, that's it's being willing to ask a better question. It's being willing to ask a question of instead of assuming it's impossible or assuming that it's too hard or I don't have what it takes, what would it require in order to get the kind of output from my inputs that I want? Once I ask the right question, then I start to see different results. And even if that means that you're not going to be an entrepreneur, even in a career, there's people who move up much faster in their career and people who stay stuck. And again, that comes back to they learn higher leverage skills. And the people at top, the top employees in an organization are the people that are wielding the most leverage. They're able to use labor leverage to get other people to get results. They're able to use technological leverage, such as code, to, to produce outsized results. They're able to wield uh, you know, media leverage and, and you know, get a, a message out to an audience more effectively, a larger audience. Uh, they're able to wield financial leverage, capital leverage on behalf of the company and get results doing that. But, but they're developing these things that allow them to get bigger results for the company, which means the company wants to pay them more. And so even if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, you have to develop these right mindsets. So how does somebody go about developing this mindset? Cause they, you know, you, you take somebody who's maybe worked for nine years and then gets laid off and then, you know, that's going to be an emotional shock to the system. Right. Hopefully not everybody has to go through that. How, how does one begin to, to change their mindset to a high leverage mindset? I think you just have to tell yourself the truth is the first step. You got to stop lying to yourself. We, we want to tell ourselves stories like that make my grandfather. feel comfortable. If you, you tell do. yourself And that's story. the biggest compliment I think I've given anybody in a long time. You, you got to stop lying to yourself and tell yourself the truth. That's, that's a lost art. It's a lost art, and you see it all over all the time. People, the number one people lie to the person people lie to is themselves, and that's a massive. I just didn't want to gloss over that, Spencer. Yeah, that sabotaging. Was, that was that was such a big statement. So I, please continue, but that that was yeah. a, really rings true. Yeah. And so, and so if you tell yourself a story that's not true because it makes you feel good, then the reward is you get to feel good. If you want to get a, a bigger result, you got to be honest with yourself. Reality is that there's someone who comes from your circumstances, your education level, your background, or worse, that has gotten bigger results. And so if the result matters to you, and and again, again, the result could be that you want to be higher up in your career, but you still want to be an employee. It could be that you want to be an entrepreneur. But whatever the result is, if you tell yourself the truth and you just accept that the reason you're not where you're at, where you want to be, is because there's something for you to learn, that's the first step. Because the biggest obstacle for most people is convincing them. They convince themselves there's not something to learn. Everything's okay. This is the right decision. And now I feel good about my choice. But you can feel good in knowing that there's more choices. You can feel good. It's just that it's heavier. You know, there's more responsibility that comes with that. So once you're telling yourself the truth, it is more responsibility. So it's a little bit more of a burden once you accept and realize, oh, I can do something to change my situation. But if you don't ever tell yourself that, you're not going to get started. All right. So how are you working with people now? How are you reshaping people's mindset? What are you doing these days to to help people uh, scale their business and their life? So the, I mean, the biggest thing is the podcast that I'm, I'm trying to to expose people to stories. One of the interesting things is a lot of people, 
one of the one of the hardest things about changing people is if you push on someone, they're going to push back. If you apply pressure, they're going to feel defensive. And so, and so, there's not a you can't try to take this on by going out and challenging everybody and saying, "Hey, you're wrong." Uh, you know, it's, it, watch social media on politics. Right? Nobody changes anybody's mind. They they shout angry things at each other, all caps swear words, whatever. And, and they both leave. Yeah. yeah I've, I've got that theory. Nobody's I, ever wanted discussion or change yeah. the mind in a Facebook chat group or, or like, yeah. on a, and like, it's just, if you're on Twitter and you have an opinion, nobody's ever reading what you say and going, wow, that's a really interesting point. I <laughs> yeah. think I've reshaped my thoughts of Gaza, right? Like people come in with a mindset and they come in to force what they have to say. And it, it yeah. it's not it's not like a, a shifting of the hey maybe we ought to maybe something like a video post or something like that can actually get people to think about something in a different way, but it's it's very difficult and I've seen it for years. I'm like why am I I used to argue with people on on Facebook and then I just realized that. I, I had a better chance just being a troll. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like my objective was just to just just have fun with people and watch them become lunatics. Like that was I was like this is the best I can get. But um, but yeah, no, it's 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 there's no there's no changing the mindset. So sorry, man, I apologize. So, Please get so that is you. that is. That is to say that that one of the most effective ways, right? If we learn from one of the most effective strategies that we've ever seen in history, which is religions, why why are religions so prolific and have existed for thousands of years and got people to comply or change the way they live? It's because they use stories. Stories allow people to go into this trance and see themselves in the story. They're able to to say, "Oh, okay, I can see how that worked," and make their own decision. It has to be their own idea. And so with the podcast, what I'm trying to do is get people to come on and tell their story, explore their story, explore key moments of self-reflection where they said, oh, you know, I was thinking this way, and then I had this experience, and I started to see it a little differently. And because it's not attacking anyone, someone listening to that podcast can then say, oh, hey, I was thinking that way. Maybe I should go through that. And and so when you hear a a compelling story and you can resonate or, or relate to that story, I was in a similar circumstance, and you tried that, and it worked. Okay, let me... Should I be thinking that way? And then people get a little more uh, self-reflective. And so storytelling is such a powerful way to get people into this trance state where they're disassociating. It's not, am I right or am I wrong? It's just it's, a, it's just an idea to consider. And so my hope with the podcast really is to get people to find examples of entrepreneurs or successful people that they can relate to and who, who went from lower leverage mindsets to higher leverage mindsets and see, oh, that could solve a problem I have right now. Because I also just believe it has to be the right time for everybody. You're not always ready, but for me, it's like reading. It's like books. I love books, but I start books and stop after the first few chapters all the time if it's not the right book right now. I'll come back to it again in the future, but if it's not the book that's going to solve a problem for me right now, then it's not going to stick. I'm not going to remember. It could have the best information in the world. And so you, you got to catch people at a time where everybody out there might be going through something challenging right now, and they, they need to find a story they can relate to that will unlock that next step. If you catch them there, that's going to be a really powerful start. And then you can take them down the journey because now they're curious and they're wanting to learn, and they know that that's a skill set they need to develop. Can you tell me about anybody that you've had a direct impact with that has engaged with you with some of this and who's, it, it could be in any area of your life, any area of your business, who's had the the biggest impact on their business or their life for engaging with you in one way or another? 
Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of examples. The, the areas that I try to do this the most, because I, I don't like work with people on this outside of the podcast. The podcast is kind of my giving back. So the areas that shows up most is in running my business. We have about a 60 person consulting firm. Uh, and so doing coaching and mentorship. That's people. solid. That's and the then, solved. That's solved.cloud. Yeah. That's right? solved.cloud. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then, talk to me about solved.cloud a little bit. How are you working with people on. with solved? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to build obviously my people into leaders uh, because in order to, to get the results that I want to get, I have to be able to create the people to do it. Uh, and the other area that this comes up is in my investment. So I invest in other companies and, and with the founders of those companies, you know, helping them get the results. So if I, if I had to list one example that would answer your question of what's one area maybe that I got the biggest result, it was actually in an investment that I did into a, a property called Outpost X, uh, which is in Southern Utah. It's, a, it's a, an otherworldly hotel stay. It's a very interesting concept, but the founder and I, are good friends. And, uh, he was in a pretty tough spot and, and specifically really felt like he knew he was going to give up, you know, it wasn't sure he could do it. Um, and so I started taking him through questioning some of these beliefs. Um, you know, some, for example, at the time he had this belief that, uh, he wasn't good enough, that, that he had made all these mistakes up to this point in the project and that, uh, because of that, how could he ever sort sort of be successful? Now, mind you, he he had started and sold a successful business in the past for seventeen million. I mean, this isn't like an unaccomplished person, so it's not like he had never accomplished things, and yet he was so beaten down by some of the struggles he was in that he started to have these low leverage beliefs creep in. And so, there's really a three step pattern of trying to un unlock this, right? And the first thing to do is to figure out, get the person to question, is this true, right? He he was telling me, man, I could have done this for so much cheaper, and I could have done it better, and I could have, you know, if I would have made this choice earlier, then that would have saved us two hundred thousand dollars on this. And I said, okay, but is that true? You know, it, it just tried to help him assess, is that really a true belief that you have? And he started to, to say, well, well, actually, no, that's not true because by doing it this way, this happened. And, you know, then we were able to get this engineer and that led to building for even less total cost. And we found this foam that we ended up with this whole new strategy of foam development. We never would have got there without that step. And so as he really started to question, is it, is it, is that true? Is that story you're telling yourself the whole story? Is that a complete story? He ended up at, at really saying, well, no, that's not a complete story. Those mistakes I made are the only reason we're in business. It's the only reason this project actually has a chance to succeed. And I had to make those trade-offs. And I did. I'm saying I should have got a contractor instead of running all the, the construction myself. But I actually went and talked to 15 different contractors, got stated bids, and we came in under all those costs. So really, mm. even though I made mistakes... <sighs> And so your brain wants to just make the story coherent so it just forgets a lot of the data, tries to delete a lot of the data. And when you get someone to really start questioning and sound saying, like is this really the whole story? You sound like my grandma. Then, now you sound like yeah. my grandma. Just uh, the, her story is whatever it is. And it's yep. uh, like, let's go of whatever is unfavorable. People, I call that the conversation. People mm. have a conversation in their head. And their yep. conversation is designed to protect them. And mm. that's where what you said about being honest with yourself comes in, right? I can get my conversation to do my def defending for me. I don't have sure. to deal with the reality that I betrayed somebody or I, I, I hurt somebody or I hurt myself or I failed somewhere. I don't have to deal with that because my conversation does or creates a story that does the defense for me. And, and it always ends with, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, <laughs> that's, that's the, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's, that's the, that's the one that, that, that I think is the most inauthentic, the most, uh, the, 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 the greatest, if, if you're saying that you're, you're just on a path of destroying a relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, and so I think that's, that's the first step. You gotta, you gotta really assess, is the story even true? And then yeah. that starts to open up some, some cracks in the story where you start to realize maybe it's not true. Then you start to understand, okay, what is this costing me emotionally? Why am I, why am I telling myself, myself a false story? And you start to see that maybe it's making you feel safer. Maybe it's making you uh, feel more validated or justified or whatever it is. Right. And it's meeting some of your needs. And then you're able to then break through that and start to say, right, what if that belief didn't exist? What if, what if the opposite of that is true? What if I didn't hold, hold on to this story that is, is punishing me. And that starts the real process of change. You start to see a future without that story. That's way better. And you get really exciting about that, excited about that future. And then you can latch onto it and start to grow. And so that's the journey we went on with him. And now here we are, that was, you know, a little over a year later, his project's about to go live. He got connected with one of the top people in this space who, who gave us a loan to finish the project and is excited about it. He's, he's sold out for a year plus. I mean, and so he's doing all this great stuff and he just had to let go of this story that, that, that he was telling himself that he's not good enough and he was screwing everything up because it wasn't real. And I think those are the types of breakthroughs everyone can have. And, and that I still work on myself. It's not like this is something you learn and then it's just easy. You still have to fight your own story every day and find these stories you're telling yourself that aren't true. Because in shedding those, you unlock massive leverage. You unlock massive capability to go amplify your results. That's that's amazing. Uh, we've uh, we've gone a little over time, but we I don't feel bad about it at all, Spencer. This has been very exciting. Uh, how do people find your podcast? How do they find you if they want to work with you? What's the next step to getting direct with Spencer? Yeah, if there's something that, that you need from me, happy to help. Uh, LessonsInLeverage.com is our website for the podcast. Feel free to go there and subscribe on whatever channels uh, you know make sense for you. And uh, if you're you know if you need help with technology, at Solve.Cloud, the consulting firm, we help companies, specifically SaaS companies and financial services companies, with uh, Salesforce.com and generative AI. So um, if that that's a space you need help, then feel free to go to Solve.Cloud. That's S-O-L-V-D.Cloud, and then uh, you can contact us there, and we can help you out if you need help. Well, I think that's a lot of people that that uh, are part of our show definitely need help with uh, Salesforce and generative AI in their uh, in their SaaS businesses. Very strong audience in that space, but I think everybody can can uh, one appreciate your story, appreciate your authenticity and what you've shared, and then also the the some of the the points that you've shared here, some of the some of the things you've shared about being honest with yourself and and uh, your thoughts on on security i found very refreshing and i'm appreciative that you've been here spencer thanks for being a part of our program thanks for being on the scaling edge we appreciate it and we're going to see you soon cheers hey thanks so much michael